Hello and welcome to this, the fifth episode of the Rise Productions Irish Theatre Podcast. I'm your host, Angus Og McAnally, Artistic Director of Rise Productions, a freelance actor, more recently a director and producer here at Rise. I'm a 15-year veteran of the Irish theatre scene and I'm a third-generation theatre maker. And as you also might be able to hear, I am absolutely smothering with a cold this week. It's not quite at the critical level of man flu yet, but by Jesus, it's not far off. So I may not be sounding uh, as wonderful as usual this week, but we'll do our best to get through it. Um, just want to say the response to last week's episode with Paul Reed was quite remarkable. Um, he's obviously a very popular guy and a funny guy, and it was nice to have, uh, I guess, a more relaxed podcast last week. As I told you at the time, myself and Paul go back almost twenty years, so it was a nice relaxed chat. I know we went on for a little bit, but I think it was uh, a nice insight into a guy who is really at the top of his game and has an awful lot of exciting things coming up. And while we're on the subject of good Portmarnock people, I'd like to give a quick shout out to David Madden and the good folks over at Deadly Christmas. Jumpers.com. This is a great company. They're 100% Irish owned and they have a brilliant selection of Irish designed jumpers, hoodies, and t shirts. All brilliant for the festive season. I popped into their shop on South Anne Street, just off Grafton Street, at the weekend to pick myself up a little birthday present for myself because Mr. McAnally turned 31 at the weekend. Uh, And they're well worth checking out. Either pop into the shop uh, or check them out online at deadlychristmasjumpers.com. You won't be disappointed, particularly if you're looking for something for uh, a 12 pubs at Christmas or or something like that, or just a bit of crack around the, the Christmas. That's the place to go, deadlychristmasjumpers.com. So, as ever, we bring you this podcast free of charge every week. We've promised you that we'll never, ever charge for these interviews, but we are looking for you to put your money back into Irish theatre. So, if you have a few bob in your pocket, go and buy some top price tickets to the Abbey or the Gate. If you don't have 35, 40 quid, if that's a bit outside the budget, that's fine. Maybe find one of the smaller, more independent, more fringe venues that might have shows on for 10 or 15 quid. If 10 or 15 quid is still outside your price range, that's fine too. Maybe go on to fundit.ie and uh, see if you can donate to uh, an upcoming show there. Their donations start at as little as €5 Euro, and there are always great rewards uh, in turn for that. I know Guna Nua are still running their campaign for Karen Ardiff's latest play which will be uh, amazing. Well worth supporting that if you get a minute pop over there and throw a few bob their way. Um, of course there are ways that you can support without having to put your hand in your pocket. You can go and tell people about this podcast whether that's in person over a cup of coffee, sharing the link to the podcast on Facebook or maybe just retweeting the link on Twitter Um, also it'd be great if you can go over and subscribe to the podcast uh, at iTunes or on the Fight Night website fightnight.ie or in fact over on radiomade.ie the guys over there have got in touch with us during the week asking can they host the podcasts over on on their website so we're now doing that as well you can check us out at radiomade.ie so go over to iTunes if you can go back and listen back to the older episodes that we have if you have time please leave us a review and a positive one if you can and even if you don't have time for a review if you could just click to rate us preferably five stars if you can it really helps us uh, to show up in searches on iTunes and just helps people find us easier to help us get the word out about shows that are coming up because of course the whole ethos of the podcast is to support promote and celebrate all that's great about Irish theatre you can follow us Rise Productions over on Facebook. We're uh, at facebook.com forward slash Rise Productions Ireland or you can check us out on Twitter. We're at Rise Ireland, at Rise Ireland over on Twitter. So uh, our guest this week is the brilliant Jose Miguel Jimenez, um, a guy who I first met just as he was about to graduate from Trinity uh, back in 2008 and then subsequently worked with him only a couple of weeks later on Big Love at the Peacock, which Selena Cartmel directed, which was uh, a great show and, and lovely to have him around uh, on that show. Obviously, he has since gone on to be 
arguably one of the most exciting emerging talents in Irish theatre at the moment uh, with his company The Company. Um, He's a really passionate and an articulate guy and he speaks brilliantly I think here in the interview um, about his process, about why he does what he does, about how the company came about uh, and it's well worth a listen. Uh, Check it out. This is Jose Miguel Jimenez. So, Jose, take it back to the very beginning. How is a man from Chile who trained as an actor Hmm. Now the director of the hottest up and coming Irish theatre <laughs> company. What? What? Jeez. How? How are you here in the first place? Where did the story start for you? Okay. Um, I suppose. I, well, I went to college before back home in Chile. I studied acting, and then I, um, me and a, a group of flatmates, have formed a theatre company, and um, and then we we produced like one or two uh, productions, and then I um, it was going well. Everything was going well actually. I had a girlfriend, I was in love, and I was like, you know what, I was all like, I was earning money from theatre, which is a very rare thing. But but what happened is that I felt, I don't know why, I was 23, and I felt, if I stay here now, this is going so well, that if I stay here, I'm going to stay here forever. Right. Um, so, and I want to see more, I want to do more things, you know, I mean, wow. I want to see the world, whatever it is, I don't know, I don't know. Um, so, um... I just left, man. I just, I just said like, okay, I have to go now before, before everything is too settled. You yeah. Know what I mean, too, too. You know what I mean, uh, written or whatever. Um, so I basically I uh, said, where am I gonna go? I have to go now. I'm still young, so uh, we'll see where I, we'll see how it goes. And I went to. Uh, I don't know why I decided to come to Ireland, really. I they, I had no reference. I had no friends and no family, or I didn't speak any English when I moved here. Um, um, I just thought that it was an interesting country because of the history, because it was a small place divided in two, mm-hmm. with a history, a huge and intense history of struggle between between um, struggle against you know a kind of oppressive external force, but also um, internal. Yeah. you know an internal dispute and I thought it was very interesting I always felt that oh walking through the streets of Ireland must be like a, almost like a political stadium it, might, it <laughs> means something I think I just had the idea of like I think I watched the name in the name of the father and the boxer and basically I came here because of Daniel Day-Lewis as a boxer <laughs> you know what I mean I thought it was just like there's something going on in that place this incredible tradition music tradition and you know what I mean and Catholic, you know what I mean, imagination and also incredibly interesting political political state and, and that combination is a killer for theatre and for art, I suppose. And then yeah, and then you go and you check check you know, check out the history of the art in this country and you have like an incredible writers and you know what I mean, a really rich really rich um, and vibrant art, you know, production scene or whatever. Um and that's the only reason why you came here. Like I I, I came for three months and and it's been eight years now. <laughs> and going back to that time in Chile, as you said, you had uh, a theatre company, things yeah. were going well. Yeah. Were you predominantly working as an actor at that point? Yeah, yeah, or always. As a director? No, as an actor. As an actor. I, 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 I worked as an actor. I trained as an actor back home and I worked as an actor as, like for two or three years, I suppose, and then I came here and I trained as an actor again. So what motivated the decision to go and, and retrain effectively as an actor? And, and specifically, what was it about the acting course in Trinity as it then was that attracted you to it? I think that when I arrived here in 2004, I wanted to uh, work as an actor. I wanted to work in theatre, but I found it very difficult. Obviously, 
my English, I didn't speak English, you know, for a while, so it was obviously going to be difficult, <laughs> and I didn't know anyone, so um, anybody, and um, I thought that maybe training again, or get, you know, uh, yeah, training again would be a good way to meet people and to create, to kind of come up with something together with other people and to kind of get in the scene of you want. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so I kind of basically researched what was avail- available here, and I remember the Gaiety, and I remember Trinity, and. I remember I was looking, um, you know, at those um, classes and courses, and I don't know. I just heard that Trinity College was a better, you know, the best place to go, and I look at the, you know, the classes and what they were looking at, and I thought it was interesting, and I and I applied and I auditioned, and actually when I auditioned the first year, they were like, okay, yeah, it'd be interesting to have something, someone as random as you here, <laughs> uh, but you don't speak English, you need to learn, so they are basically um, they kept my place for what for a year you know really? they were like go away learn english and come back and you know your, your place will be here so that's what i did actually yeah that's what i did that's remarkable and yeah in terms of going back and, and almost starting from scratch as an actor mm-hmm. having already trained how difficult was you in how difficult was it for you in those early stages of of going back through basic steps and basic exercises that you might have been familiar with but sure, that yeah. for the other people in the class would have been absolutely new yeah, um, yeah, that's true. I, 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 I had um, a few uh, instances, I suppose, of situations or, or yeah, f- feelings in relation to what we were learning. Um, when I was like, okay, fuck, you know, I know this. Like, oh, oh, I know really, but I know where this is going, and yeah. I've, got, I've been through this before. You never master though anything really, you know, as an actor or as a director like you, you you know you don't the level of expertise doesn't have to really to do with how much you already know something and it's already behind you like you know what I mean I think the expertise is just a matter of experience and like actually expertise is like your kind of vision keeps opening and opening and opening and you usually come back to what you think you knew and it's completely new again so that's a good thing and that happened to me definitely in, in Trinity College again it was like okay I know this and then once I was in the middle of that thing it was like Jesus no this is a whole new world um, but but yeah that feeling was there as well like you know what I mean of like of um, oh, I've gone through this before but in in relation in comparison to my classmates I I had a, disadva- a huge disadvantage, which was the language. Right. And, and in a way, I could say that that leveled things out, maybe, okay. and that my own struggle through college had to do with language, with understanding, with, um, with uh, comp- you know, um, being able to fit in and to be able to carry, um, you know, uh, content and articulation, if you want, in a language that wasn't mine, yeah. to be able to engage with something in a language that wasn't my, 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 you know, my language. So, um, I think it was interesting. And, and after all, the good thing about having gone to college was, having gone to college? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, was that I met people that I, I'm still working with and people that we, um, I, I, I admired and I've learned from and that we are um, we formed a company yeah. basically and you know well specifically Irish theatre is known as a very text based literary theatre with all these great writing greats yeah, through the is, generations yeah. 
Um, and I suppose at the same time, that course in Trinity was quite uh, a text-based literary course with sure. a big emphasis on that. Given the language barrier, how difficult was it for you to, to grapple with those kind of classical texts? And has that in any way uh, factored into the, the way you approach work now? Mm -hmm. It was very difficult. It was actually, if you think about it, we went through, Jesus, we went through, through uh, Russian plays to uh, Bulgakov and uh, um, Shakespeare. I, we, we did Shakespeare in the second year and I ended up playing Prospero. Like, <laughs> no me, pressure. Like no pressure for to, to, for, to an English speaking, you know what I mean, to an Irish actor. Me and I was like, you know what I mean, reading, like trying to articulate those words. and. Um, so it was very difficult, definitely. Like impro improvisation was impossible, man. The first yeah. year, impossible. It was like incredibly, um, you know, you get really like scared and like, oh no, like so embarrassing. It's so embarrassing to go, you know, to jump and improvise and not being able to, you know, reply and sometimes coming up with the most ridiculous sentences and like all your class kind of laughing and you know, you're like, what did I just say? What did I just say? So yeah, but. Um, what I think that uh, what I think happened is that um, to approach those texts, you know, um, I had to be really uh, um, had to have a lot of rigor, I suppose. I had to be really like strict with myself, and in a way, develop some sort of technique or or, or um, methodology to kind of get through, you know. Um, and and that's something that I think um, uh, has informed my work since um, our work with with the company, I suppose. Um, in terms of uh, how specific you have to be um, treating any sort of aspect of the production, I don't think it is different to anyone else, to any other company. Obviously, every company is really like professional, try to, and you know all the aspects are really important, but. I think I think we in the company, what we have done so far, we we have a special kind of preoccupation for language, for theater language, for theatrical um, possibilities, and and I think the way in which we have tackled that question has been always through real through um, to specificity and you know and to um, rigor and you know um, I can't remember what's the what the word is now but. Yeah, you're like a really like technically clean and polished articulation of an idea. Okay, I don't. That was very confusing. Now I didn't no, say much. Sense. Anyway. Well, look, let's we we've started talking about the company. the The company is your theatre company, uh, and it is made up exclusively of people who were in that class with you in Trinity. Am I right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, it, we are four from one class for the one class, and Rob. Yes. McDermott was in the, in the class um, ahead of us. He was like a, a year older. Okay. Yeah. And how, how early on in the process of training did it become clear to you guys as a unit that you wanted to work together and create your own work? I suppose, um, I don't know, I suppose you have like a certain kind of affinity with people, you know. Um, we were friends. You know, mostly, and and now I'm, I I know that one of the most important things you need to kind of make theatre is to have a group of friends, not even not even a group of people, but a group, a group of friends. And we were friends, and we got on with each other, and we had kind of maybe not similar interests, but we had a certain intensity or like or a certain. We actually were we were interest 
interested in theater and that went out you know that kind of put put us in a, in a similar place then i suppose i don't know the uh, the third year was kind of very like um, defining in terms of like yes let's let's stick together this group of people and let's do something together let's 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 make let's form a company and like make our own thing let's let's you know what i mean produce our own work and see what that is let's find out what that is that work is well um, i know that from relatively early on the seed for fergus kilpatrick was was not going to have very time i remember there's a, there's a video online somewhere of it as a very very early idea so yeah. where did that idea come from I, what sparked it all off for you fergus what did it all come from it's very difficult to know i suppose um we were um I suppose one of the reasons why we wanted to stick together and make a company is because we felt at the time that there, w there was theater that we weren't seeing. Um, we wanted to kind of basically make the shows that we were not we couldn't find. Um, and so I suppose I can't remember exactly where this came from, but um, the first the kind of one of the earliest interests that I can remember is that we were thinking about. Um, this sounds too like maybe this is too it's later on okay anyway so um, f um, we were interested in the, in the, in the dis distinct distinction between reality and illusion and I can't remember how we got there this is, this is what I'm trying to remember but anyway um, we thought it was kind of relevant to theatre we thought that um, maybe the theater that we were seeing at the time was like all very fake or like we had this layer of 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 illusion that was never broken in a way or that was not acknowledged and not as in like post-traumatic theater necessarily as in like no it's me or documentary theater only but like we couldn't find any any production or that was acknowledging that fact that factor that element of theater as as a as, as a as a as a subject in itself, okay, you know, um, so maybe I'm going to make this clear. Maybe you have like a more uh, traditional form of theater in which a text is is brought to life, um, with performances that are supposed to create other people that are not the ones that are there. Then you probably have more more post dramatic theater in which the text is not the main thing, and so the people who are on stage are you know themselves articulating some sort of idea or you can also have some kind of documentary theater in which the actual production is about the people who are on on, on that stage that's all good but we, we we i think that we didn't find in in any of those styles or any in any of those possibilities one that would say it's an important thing for us um, is an important thing for theater. It's a fundamental thing of theater. The fact that this is not happening, right? Whatever, whatever the forms are, whatever the, any of these three or maybe more, you know, situa right. these the, the situations are not happening. Whether the people, whether the, the people, whether the characters are the real people and the actors are not acting any other character. You know what I mean? Then we thought that we, the the manufacture of the situations, the manufacture of the theater. Um, situation um, um, wasn't addressed as a, as a theme, as a subject matter that would actually reflect a lot about what's happening in the world um, 
this combination of real things, of the reality of our lives, if you want, com com combined and mixed up with uh, some sorts of fiction and fantasy. Um, that is not an idea that we had, it's something we read, it's something that we research, it's something that thinkers, if you want, are talking about. This perfect mix between reality and illusion that actually makes a reality and that you can't when you talk about the economy and about um, there is more money in the world than that there actually is, for instance. Yes. You cannot, these debts that we are in the middle of now, these crises are never going to finish because, they're, because they can't finish. Because if these debts are ever settled, then everything stops. <laughs> you know, we're never going to be able to say, because it's a good thing in a way to maintain this system, you know, <laughs> if we want to maintain this system up. Uh, we, we cannot repay back because if we, okay you you pay me everything you owe yeah th then it's over then yeah. you know what I mean so this is all a, a construction of ours that we have made up to kind of keep the machine going and and, and I think that that uh, idea of reality is um, pierces through loads of layers of, 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 of our society you know of our, the, the place where we live nowadays so we felt that addressing that tool in a theater production, that a layer of a theater production as, as the main subject matter of, the, of that production was important. Okay. It was important to talk about the world or you know, our lives, you know yeah. what I mean? We are a construction in, on many levels, a mixed up of who I, who I really am and some sort of idea of who I should be. Um, so that's what we were looking at really. Um, Talk to me a bit about about the technology you used for Fergus Hill Because okay, I remember yeah. seeing it originally at the Fringe, which was, is that 2009? Nine, yeah. And being blown away, particularly by the almost split-screen footage that you used right the way through. It, like, it, yeah. it, was, it seemed to me that this was something that would only be possible in a multi-million dollar budget movie, and yet here it was in, in, a, in a Fringe show. Yeah, yeah. Um, talk to me a bit about incorporating that into it. Like well, we we made Fergus Fergus with like fifteen hundred quays. Okay. So far from from you know what I mean from like um, super production. Um, again, that that idea of that technology um, came. It was a necessity when we were talking about these layers of reality that are faked or are manufactured, that are construct constructions and not the actual thing. So. Um, the only reason why we ended up using video is because we sat and we and we, we were we were looking for signs of reality. We were thinking, okay, what signs, what characteristics of of of, of information, if you want, um, makes me think that that information is real. Um, we said like documentaries are supposed to be real, so there's a style there of, of filming, of there's a style of editing. Um, if you have footage that is, um, if you film something with a mobile phone, it, it maybe not nowadays because that's you know I mean I know it's two years ago but even two years ago having footage with a mobile phone would suppose presuppose that it's real you yeah. know what I mean if the sound is a bit kind of not right and you can't hear really well you go like well that's not staged that's you know yeah. what I mean um, mistakes and stuff like that um, I think I think when we were started to talk about documentaries. Um, as a sign of the real, uh, we knew that we had we were going to use um, footage, and so then the idea, because that was what Fergus was about, Fergus Reporter was about, about this is real but it's not, 
and then another layer. This is real. No, not really. This is real, <laughs> not really. Is that how could we broke? How could we uh, break those those documentaries um, in themselves? Not yeah. not us standing in front of it and going like this is not true. Like, but that the documentary itself would reveal itself as I'm a construction. So then we came up with this idea of of these videos that were kind of a mix of live footage, live um, feed and pre-recorded that like you wouldn't notice, you wouldn't know whether it's live or not, but then you would notice that in the frame there was like that same person repeated 10 times or 20 times. Or um, it was a necessity. We, we, we knew that once we would use the language of video as an approach to something that might be real, then we needed, we had to kind of betray that. Yeah, and so we kind of, kind of had to. We had to learn how to use a little bit video. So none of us knew. I, I, I made the videos for Fergus in my computer. I had, I didn't have a clue about how to edit videos. So I knew that it was possible. That it had to be possible in some sort of way. Right. So I just sat in front of my computer and I started to read manuals and go to YouTube and watch tutorials and go and try and try and fail, try and fail. I think. We Fergus was in the making for like a year, basically. You know, like every week or every two weeks, yeah. and then at the end, uh, like a proper five weeks of rehearsal. Like, but all these things were like, okay, we're gonna use video. How can we make these? How can we, you know, you know? How surprised were you by the success of it? Because it seemed that because it was your first show, yeah. it instantly placed you as a company on. On the landscape, as mm. this is a young, exciting, fresh company mm. that have something very clear to say, and there was, there seemed to be a huge amount of hype very early on, and I know awards early on as well. Were, yeah. were you guys taken aback by that, or or did you know early on that you were onto something special? Or? Geez, no, no, we were like, no, we 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 liked the idea, we liked our idea, and we liked we liked what we were doing, I suppose, and we kind of trusted the research and and the work, but we never thought that we. We thought we were going to be destroyed. We thought it was going to be like, this is it, lads. This is it, lads. Our first and last show. Goodbye after this. Um, we were like, like incredibly scared. Incre like the opening night and the previous, it was like, oh no, oh no. Because Fergus also had this first 10 minutes of hell of a really boring show. <laughs> in which, which was in really, really important because all the information that was going to be developed later uh, during the show was there. Yeah, it's the most important part of the show. So everything is contained in that in that incredibly boring piece of theater. So we knew that we had to go through that. That was one challenge among many, I suppose. Um, we didn't know at all that it was going to be it was going to go down well at all. So yeah, it was a big surprise. I don't know. Uh, and so then. How did that then lead into the the second show? As you are now, so and so, so we, um, uh, catchy title, and uh, and also, well, how did a guy who you know admittedly had uh, had struggled with big classical texts to yeah. begin with in in actor training suddenly take on the most complicated yeah. Irish text of all time in in Ulysses? Yeah, yeah. What the hell were you thinking? Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. Um, um, after after Fergus, we we wanted to because Fergus was so kind of technically heavy um, and difficult, like very difficult to to move around. And we had a, a second run of Fergus in project, and we had to refilm everything. And then we went to 
two other places with it and we had to every time we film and re-edit everything and it was a whole thing we 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 said okay we're gonna make a next show we're gonna make another show and it's gonna be the opposite you know let's not make of these our style or anything like that let's, yeah let's make actually the, the opposite thing not use any video let's 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 say uh, develop the narrative or whatever uh, articulated with our hands this time um and um so yeah sorry um we were um we came across ulysses um i think i can't remember exactly but we were suggested after fergus that we could we should someone thought that fergus could be really um had a kind of relationship with ulysses okay um and so the name was there like oh ulysses yeah yeah and Ulysses, this oh, you know, this really important book, you know, it's one of the defining books of the twentieth century, probably the most important book, you know, written about these places. Well, yeah, yeah. Have you read it now? <laughs> no, you no, 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 no one's read it. No, it's this icon of Irish culture that no one, nobody's read. Yeah. Um, and that was interesting in itself. So I was like, okay, cool. Here we have an icon that has of of, of identity of nationhood mm. that stands like a flag that no one knows. And that's very interesting, even coming out of coming after after Fergus of like questioning what's real and what's not. Kind of the natural question then was to say, well, if we are saying that our reality might be real or not, then who are we in that? You know, kind of I think organically moving to okay, we said that about the world out there. What about us then? What where are we left? You know, where you know there's nothing left for us, or what it's left for us after after that statement. Um, and then Ulysses kind of became, in terms of like um, the myth around the book, like in- interesting already about you know this unknown flag. And then when we started to work on it and read it, it was like even more interesting. You know, it was um, this guy trying to define a play that he's you know Dublin. This guy, I mean uh, Joyce, trying to build. A, na- a, na- a, 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 a national spirit and a national way of looking at things through words, man, through the through the way in which he was describing the most simple of days. Yeah, you know, um, yeah. And again, with that show, I mean, that could have been the difficult second album where it had all come crashing down yeah. after the great promising success. But again, yeah. critical acclaim, more awards, mm. and it went on and was toured around the world and, and even oh, yeah. played at the Abbey as well. How did how did the Abbey run come about? Yeah. Um, um, we were invited, really. Um, I think Fieck, um, director of the you know Abbey, he, he saw it in, in the French, and and he thought it was I don't know. He thought it was um, important to to show us more, and he wanted to, actually, which was a good, a good thing. He wanted to share it with his audience, with his people, you know, in his house basically. Yeah. And he was like, I want to share this with my people, so bring it over. And we were like, Yeah, of course, why not? Um, but in terms of the the seal of approval that that gives. You know, a young emerging company like yeah, you guys, yeah. that only the second show already played yeah. at the National Theatre. It must, it must have opened doors for you as well, I guess. Well, then we went on. To, yeah, we went to um, we went to LA and to Portugal with the show. So yeah, it was, it's all very strange, man. It's all very like um, unexpected and like you know, like we we went to LA. <laughs> you know, with the show, the Hollywood like, dream. With this, with the second show, we, we we didn't even go to you know somewhere you know 
to Cork and you know which is like the way you know or Galway or even to London you know, I know, bypass Edinburgh hey, straight hey, to LA you know of all places you know to a big festival and all it was like so weird like um, excellent obviously um, but strange like completely the Abbey was complete like you know like what are we doing in the National Theatre with this show you know what I mean with a French show um, yeah well it's it's it's, it's it's very good, I suppose. Like it, it makes you feel that you're doing things that people are interested in, in, um, and that's good. But it doesn't um, secure anything. Okay. It doesn't really. I mean, you you keep working in the way in which you were working before, and and the difficulties are the same in terms of uh, creating your work. Yes. You know. And you know nowadays in this climate also in terms of. It, it, funding and stuff like we are going through the same difficulties that everyone has going through both um i suppose um yeah it's good it's good i mean it's it makes you kind of whoa jesus that's very good but, so yeah. the, as you approach the company's third show now which is called politic am i right politic yeah, yeah. uh with, there was a, an in development showing on yes. it at this year's theater festival yes is there a definite plan for next year for it maybe no not a, I mean yes we want to we want to make uh, we want to have a full production for 2012 we don't have a definite definitive plan in when and where we okay. are kind of talking you know what I mean and analyzing and you know dealing with things like and see what's the best you know way to do it or where and when and where but um but we want to yeah that's that's the plan definite a definite plan for the company. are you allowed to tell us anything about it well, there's nothing much to tell you. We are thinking and we are kind of thinking about what happened in the Dublin Theatre Festival within development thing, which was good. And we are searching for things, really. We are, we are, we are trying to, still trying to understand what is that, what's the thing that we want to say really okay. this and how we relate to it, really. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, look, that brings us then through to this next project that you're dealing with uh, immediately, which is the Text Messages sure, yeah. Mini Shakespeare Festival, the project. Yeah. yeah. I, again, going back to the classical text. So, I mean, I think there's a perception about you specifically as a director and about your company as mm. that it's it's a non-literary kind of company. And yet, you know, taking Ulysses as source material and now tackling Shakespeare. Yeah. This must be an exciting challenge for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose we don't, we, we don't, um, what we don't, we, I mean, as the company, what we haven't done is um, a text, a theatre, a, pl a, a play. Yeah. We haven't worked with plays. We have worked with literature, yeah, definitely. Jesus, uh, Joyce, and before that, Borges, you know, Fergus uh, Patterns from a short story from Hercules Borges. Um, okay. And, and there is an interest in, um, you know, other kind of, art forms I suppose and learn from from those art forms with the company I'm talking about and bring them into you know theatre and see how that change or translation uh, reacts um, now the Shakespeare project is it's, it's I'm on my own doing it it's not a company thing and uh, but as a company member I have like a kind of similar approach to a play I've, I've it's a completely new thing for me um, it's it's interesting because I don't know how how interested actually I, I, I am really in in doing something like this okay um, I don't know much about Shakespeare I know him and I work I mean 
I work in two of shows, Shakespeare shows, and I read Shakespeare, and I think it's very interesting and cool to read. I don't know about, I don't feel anything particularly interested in, in staging Shakespeare. Okay. And the premise for this mini festival is that it's it's 160 <laughs> lines, yeah. so it's a it's a bite-sized chunk yeah. of Shakespeare that that I guess you try to create a, a total world within that. You know, sure. 160 lines, yeah. which is a challenge in itself. Yeah, sorry, yeah, because I don't want to sound like um, <laughs> I just said like I'm not interested in anything. <laughs> um, what I think is interesting about this particular um, project is that it kind of brings together people that are, come from kind of different backgrounds, um, theater backgrounds, I suppose, um, um, like me, like completely detached from anything Shakespearean, um, and, and deal with a chunk of text and deal with a, with a provocation. Right. You know what I mean? Which is like, what would you do with this? I and I go, I would say, well, I wouldn't. Maybe I wouldn't do it. Okay, but what would you do if you had to? Okay, well, let's see. Yeah. You know what I mean? And 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 I think that can be. An, I think that's an interesting, interesting provocation. So, is this as much about a, a journey of discovery for you as a director as it is about you going? Well, I have a very definite vision of what I want to impose upon this piece. Then, uh, no, no, I don't have about. Uh, very definite, definitive vision about anything really. <laughs> I deal. I, I think I'm, I'm dealing with things that they come. And the thing when you work with with really good um, material, um, you end up finding something that relates much more much more to you than to you know than you thought. Right. You know what I mean. It's the case with Joyce. It's the case with we're looking at another another project with the company at the moment which also is going to deal with a I think if we go ahead with a major 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 um, work of literature or you know classic um, and and we are now kind of uh, what we are talking about or discussing is like Jesus how are we going to deal with this what what's in what's in this what's in in, in this thing um, for us and as we have gone through it we realize that it's much more than we thought there, you know, there was. Yeah. Because you see yourself reflected it when, when, a, when a work of art is very good. So, I suppose, with the Shakespeare thing, it's, um, I have no definitive vision about anything, but being confronted with something like this has already brought up a few things that I didn't think I would connect with Shakespeare. You know okay. what I mean? Thoughts or ideas that I, would, I wouldn't... Yeah, you know what I mean? I didn't think they, I would use or you know, or, or relate to these kind of work, but they are there, you know. And then finally, is there a, a grand scheme of ambition for the company for the next 5, 10, 15 years? Is it world domination? Do you guys have a plan? Or are you going to just keep taking it project by project? Where do you hope to be in the future with it? What would you like to see happen? Well, I don't know. No, there isn't a major uh, world domination plan, really. <laughs> um, we no no there isn't really and we yeah projects we go project by project see what's happening to us and what's interesting and how we can again say okay we have done one with video one with cardboard boxes let's not do any of those things now and let's put ourselves where we where we um where we don't know what to do really let's see what we are not good at and you know what I mean and learn and see what happens you know I think that's a bit of a I'd say a bit of a company idea it's like we're not good at that let's go there <laughs> and see what happens <laughs> throw yourself out of your comfort zone I suppose so I suppose so things happen there you know good things sometimes or maybe bad things it doesn't work always you know and, and that's okay but at least it's exciting 
Oh yeah, Jesus, yeah. What else are you gonna do? Like, <laughs> that's brilliant. Listen, I really appreciate you coming to have a chat with me. Thank um, you. Best of luck with everything as it's coming up. It's and uh, thanks for having the chat. Thank you. Thanks to you. So there you have it, the brilliant Jose Miguel Jimenez. I hope that gave you an insight into who he is as a guy and who he is as a theatre maker. I think he's really exciting. I think he's making some really interesting work with the company. Um, a great gang of actors there. I mean, there's so much stuff that I didn't get to chat to him about that I would have liked to have, but obviously time was up against us. Um, but I think he's a guy to keep an eye out for. I think he's doing some really great work and will continue to do so, hopefully over the coming years. And in fact, the tail end of that conversation is a nice segue into our usual weekly roundup of upcoming events uh, as to what's going on. He was talking about the Text Messages Mini Shakespeare Festival, which is coming up in Project in Temple Bar next week. That's being kind of produced and curated by Aoife Spillane Hinks, who was a guest on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. He would have heard talk about the festival. Uh, Lara Hickey, who's a brilliant independent producer. Megan Reardon from the States, who's uh, behind Making Strange Theatre Company. Uh, and Connor Hanratty, who's a, a director himself. have come together, the four of them, to curate and, and produce this mini festival where they're given a chance to nine individual directors uh, to work on a piece of Shakespeare, which is a chance that not an awful lot of young or emerging directors get a chance to, to work with because those plays can be so big and unwieldy and huge casts and it can just be expensive to put it on. Um, but they're given people the opportunity to go and do that and brilliantly, I've been invited to go and direct one of the pieces. So uh, I'll be doing that. That's all happening um, the 13th, 14th and 15th of December. That's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of next week. Uh, and there'll be three shows each night, short 20-minute pieces of Shakespeare. That's the whole gimmick of the festival is that it's 160 lines of Shakespeare along the lines of 160 characters and text message. Text messages, you get the pun. So uh, I'll be directing a piece from Romeo and Juliet, which I'm very excited about. I was trying desperately to rack my brains to get something more trendy or more exciting or more obscure or you know less well-known. But I, in the end, I just thought, well... Romeo is a play I know very well, and it's also a play I really love um, because of uh, because of how well it captures a lot of things that interest me. Uh, and so I decided, you know, don't try and be different for the sake of being different. Go back to what you know, go back to what you love, and just do it to the best of your ability. So I'll be directing a piece from Romeo and Juliet, and I have to say I've assembled a, a pretty exceptional cast that I'm over the moon to be working with. I sent them a message the other day saying, it's great to be able to work with some of your best friends and some of the finest actors in the country and to have that be the same group of people. So on board for that with me will be the brilliant award-winning Judith Roddy from Derry playing Juliet and Michael Sheehan, who a lot of people would know from his role of Dean on Fair City, uh, will be playing Romeo for me, a, a great actor and a really nice guy. Um, the exceptional Charlie Bonner will be playing Capulet for me. Um, Ali White will be playing Lady Capulet for me and Emma Collihan will be playing the nurse so I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting in the room with them and, and thrashing it out it's you know it's only 160 lines so it's tight but as ever with Shakespeare he crams an awful lot into a small space so we're we're going to have our work cut out for us to kind of get all that into that short scene but I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to doing it so as I say there'll be nine of us directing different pieces over the three nights three directors three shows each night um, and tickets are as little as a fiver as far as I know for that so great value to get out and see you know emerging directors putting their stamp on the biggest challenge of all for a director uh, in that taking on Shakespeare well worth popping out uh, any of the nights if you can or try and get all 
three, uh, if you can, to to see, you know, what that selection of of upcoming directors are. Uh, other than that, what's going on around town uh, at the Abbey? The government inspector is still running, which my parents were raving about the other night. Um, particularly the performance of a certain Liz Fitzgibbon, who I believe is doing a fab job in the show. Dying to get in to see that myself. Um, and downstairs uh, at the Peacock uh, is Satanta, which is still running, but I think that's finishing up very soon. So you're going to get a chance to get in there, get in and do it sooner rather than later. That's the the Paul Mercier play has written and is directing with um, with great actors like Sean T. O'Malley and, and Stephen Darcy is in there as well. Really great physical piece of theatre. I know some people might be scared off by the idea of it being Irish language, but um, if experience has taught me anything, it's that you should trust yourself that you have enough in the back of your head. And particularly with a show that's as physical as this, um, you'll get an awful lot of what's going on. There's no need to be concerned there. Um, other than that, for a slightly lighter touch, Robinson Crusoe and the Caribbean Pirates is playing at the Gaiety, the classic Gaiety Panto, which I know my dad starred in, I guess, 25 years ago. Um well worth checking along there particularly a day out for the family if you'd want to go and check that out Little Women is still running at the gate with the brilliant Jane McGrath Cathy Rose O'Brien is in that as well and uh, the awesome Marty Ray who for my money is one of the finest actors of his generation certainly a guy who keeps setting the bar for uh, for the rest of us to try and jump up to um, again running this week is Six Characters in Search of an Author at Project that's the, the DYT show uh, and I think that'll be a really interesting project I think Jason Byrne is directing that and it is DYT as as you would have heard in the in the podcast with Philly McMahon a couple of weeks ago, a place that has turned out an awful lot of the most exciting people working in theatre uh, of the last few years. Philly is a graduate there. All the crowd from Theatre Club came through DYT. There's an awful lot of really exciting people coming through there. So I think that might be a really exciting show and a chance to get in uh, at the start of the careers of, of people who might be you know the most interesting people around in the next five or six years. If you get a chance, go and check that out. Um, also, the wonderful Selena Cartmel has the making of Tis Pity She's a Whore at, uh, at Project with Kate Brennan as appearing in that and Louis love it as well two of the country's finest actors i mean kate uh, consistently blows me away every time i see her on stage it's it's remarkable how it seems that literally from show to show she just goes from strength to strength she's she's really a very very exciting actor i i can't get enough of her i think she's absolutely brilliant that's definitely going to be worth checking out um, and also port authority the conor mcpherson play is playing at the viking theater which is a relatively new space out in clontarf which i know little about but i'm excited it's, it seems that there's a good vibe about the place uh, and that it's another venue for people to be putting on stuff just slightly out of town uh, on the north side as well which is good for me um but i think that's uh, a very interesting venue and obviously mcpherson is an exceptional writer so that'll be well worth going to check that out that's port authority um so that's essentially a roundup of what's going on over the next while um if you can get out and support irish theater again that is the whole message behind this podcast we're looking to celebrate support and promote irish theater uh, as i've said before there's no point in us sitting around whinging about arts council cuts and not being enough money there to uh, to support the work that's going on if we're not willing to put our hands in our pockets and put our own money into it so do get out and support the arts as and where you can uh, it's a really important thing to do so that's us then for another week um this thing just keeps going from strength to strength i'm really enjoying the response we're getting it's nice to see so many people getting on board with it sharing it around retweeting sending it off by facebook letting people know what it is we're about here what it is we're trying to do uh, how we're trying to support 
the industry so please continue to do that uh, the help is much appreciated and much needed we need to get the message out there get people tuning in and uh, and help keep spreading the word i'm going to go and dose myself up on some hot whiskey see if i can shift this cold because it's uh, <laughs> it ain't no fun um and of course we'll be back again next week for uh, another chat with one of ireland's leading theater makers that's episode five in the books this has been the rise productions irish theater podcast for angus og McAnally. i'm angus og McAnally. we'll see you next week Thank you.